Welcome to On Time in Full, a podcast from Designed Conveyor Systems. In the world of engineering, we all share a common knowledge base. We're equipped with the same principles, methodologies, and tools to tackle the challenges that come our way from free body diagrams to stress strain curves. We've got it all in our toolkit. But here's the thing, not all engineering teams perform at the same level. So some excel while others might struggle. What's the secret sauce that separates the best from the rest? Why should you choose to partner with the engineers at DCS over anyone else? Well, here today, joining us on this episode of On Time in Full is guest Ben Moyer as we explore the art of applying engineering principles to solve real-world problems, particularly in the material handling and industrial automation realm. We'll uncover the factors that drive superior outcomes in engineering organizations and why DCS stands out in the field. So get ready for an enlightening journey into the heart of engineering excellence. So here today to help us in this journey is Ben. Ben, welcome. Hi, Gabrielle. Hi. Well, my first question for you, Ben, is how does experience over time contribute to the development of engineering judgment? And, you know, as a preface, you can go into this question right off a little bit of a bio. So a background on yourself, how long you've been with DCS, uh, your experience in engineering, and just how that experience over time, as I said, contributed to the development of engineering judgment. Yeah, for sure. So like most engineers, uh, you know, I went to school for four years and in engineering school, they teach you a lot of tools, methodologies, formulas, calculations, like you mentioned in the introduction. And, um, yeah, I started, I started as a design engineer in 2001. So it's been over 20 years for me personally. Um, and I've been around a lot of different engineers, a lot of different teams of engineers over that time. And. I think you're right. I think what it comes down to is is applying engineering judgment, and that judgment is guided by experience. So applying what you learn in school to particular problems, particular design challenges, and then um, learning over time as you apply that, apply those tools and gain that experience that builds your judgment, and then you have that judgment to apply on future projects and future designs. So that's been my experience. Well, I'm sure you've had over this time in the industry, some real world examples. Uh, so, or use cases, can you share maybe some of those stories that illustrates how engineering experience informed better judgment, maybe in a specific project? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll start with, with my own experience. Um, you know, like I said, uh, started out as a design engineer and um, was, was blessed to have a great mentor, uh, one of the product engineers that it took me under his wing, and whenever we had a, a challenge, or something that I asked him a question about, um, you know, Jack would say, Let's "Put on your steel toes, let's go out to the the shop and ask the guys that are going to put this thing together." And so, you know, that was a, a huge benefit to me as a young engineer. And that that really, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, how you're going to lay out a drawing, the way you dimension it, um, stacking up tolerances, um, clearances, um, even how. You know, we're going to weld something and lay it out on, on our fixtures and our, our jigs to the sequence that we're going to, to, to put the components down before we weld them up. Those kind of things um, you, you learn in school. But again, when you apply them to a real life challenge or real world challenge, um, you do that in a better way the next time you do it because you've, you've learned those, those lessons. Right. And, you know, I think about DCS uh, that can be anywhere from applying the right piece of equipment to a, to a concept or developing the concept itself. Um, when it comes to laying out a material handling system uh, for our customers all the way through, um, you know, helping our customers 
improve their standards and their specifications uh, for for the designs that they um, that they request from us. So um, again, over time, applying those those tools and methodologies and building that engineering judgment through experience, uh, it's uh, it's it's reality and it's uh, it's really effective, and I've seen it work well. And then on the opposite side, I, I mean, we've we've seen it not work so well when maybe a team doesn't have this experience we're talking about. They don't have that benefit. So what do you find to be some of the major challenges faced by engineering teams that lack the benefit of learned experienced uh, experiences and judgment, especially in unique situations like the Apollo fire incident? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a cool example. Um, you know, if you if you look back and you read some of the post event uh, investigations and some of the quotes from that period of time, you know, you think about, um, you know, uh, I think it was uh, it was said it wasn't a lack of uh, it wasn't negligence, it wasn't malpractice, it was a lack of imagination. Right? They they didn't even think that um, that that was a high uh, hazard situation when they were on the pad running these tests and there was a, it was a comms check, right. And it resulted in the tragedy of, of Apollo one. And so you think through that, um, you know, what are, what are those questions that, that need to be asked, um, when you're doing a design, um, when you are, when you're working through an engineering challenge. And a lot of times you don't know the questions to ask unless you have gone through a, a similar experience, um, again, through, through, through time over time, building that judgment. So, you know, I think um, knowing what questions to ask, obviously, and then also um, knowing where to focus, right? So knowing which areas of the design are really critical to the success of the project, to the success of this particular design, which characteristics, um, that helps you, again, know what questions to ask, but it also helps you be more efficient and effective as you're completing your work um, by focusing on the right areas of the design. Well, speaking of focusing on the right areas, I mean, a lot of this goes into the culture you create as well. So how have you found that you're able to create a culture that fosters retention as well as engagement among engineering teams? For us at DCS, uh, we're blessed with with great um, leadership and examples that, that model the behaviors um, that we want in our culture. Um, and, and really, that goes back to, to our ownership, um, to Ambassador and, and the the challenge that they put forward to us to be a legacy company. And, um, and so, you know, we, we look at it at, at within the engineering team is really, you know, again, the, the retention and the engagement, right? We want those engineers to be here to apply their, their experience, um, their judgment that they learned through that experience, we want them to apply it to, to projects that are, that are happening at DCS. Right. And then, um, we want them to speak up and be bold and, and engaged in the work that they do. And so, uh, how we do that, I think the three there's three real focus areas for us in terms of um, of that engagement and retention. The first is really comes down to valuing people. Um, I, I believe that each person is uh, created in the image of God and that they have value because of that. They are they are valuable not just for what they can do for a company, what they can do for DCS, but they're valued because they they are valued because of of that innate. Um, image bearing fact. So to me, you know, take, if taking care of people is important because that keeps them, um, working with you. Right. But then you also want them to, to engage. You want them to speak up and to apply that, that experience. And that comes down to the engagement aspect. And there it's the second piece. And that's this idea of trusting intent. So how do we engage people? We want them to speak up. We want them to be bold. We want them to feel safe in doing that. 
Um, it's about trusting intent, knowing the outcome is not always going to be what we hope it is, but also trusting that I'm doing it for the right reasons with the right intent, the right motivation. And then lastly, it comes down to leadership. So um, again, I, I spoke at the beginning of this about uh, the, the blessing that our leadership is to us um, at DCS, but but that has to be repeated and, and, and modeled. The behaviors we're talking about, um, you know, people stay for good leadership, people leave for poor leadership. Uh, intent, being modeling that, that idea of trusting intent that starts with the leaders. And so we spend a lot of time at DCS within our engineering team, developing leadership competencies and capabilities uh, within our management and people leaders uh, for, for our engineers as well. It's a wonderful, wonderful culture to create that way. I mean, following up on that, just recognizing the inherent value of, of humanity, of an individual's personhood, uh, what makes them tick. So why is it crucial to recognize that engineers are individuals with lives outside of work? And how have you found that this type of recognition impacts overall performance? If it does, if it doesn't, what's been your experience there? Again, every person has value and we want to take really good care of the people on our teams. People are more than the work they do, right? They're not just cogs that you plug into a machine. Um, you know, and specifically with, with, with engineers, in my case, having the privilege of leading, leading teams of engineers, um, I've, I've seen where, um, you know, projects get compressed, workloads get take companies will take on too much work. They don't have the capacity to do it. And we just say, oh, well, the, the engineers, they'll just work they'll just work a little longer or they'll just work a little bit harder or a lot longer or a lot harder. Right. And, and what you end up with then is you end up with burnout. You end up with people not doing their best work. And um, that leads to more burnout because most people know when they're not able to put in their best effort and put the time in that needs to be put in to, to do the work well. And so at DCS, we spend a lot of time focused on capacity, focused on resources, looking ahead, what projects are we, are we looking at bringing in to, to, to work on next year in engineering or next month in engineering? And do we have the, the team in place to do that? Not only from a capacity standpoint, but also from a capability standpoint, do they have the right skills, the right experiences, do they have the right judgment from those experiences to apply to these projects? And if not, how do we develop that? Or how do we go find the people that we need to bring into the team? So that idea of resilience, um, you know, you hear that a lot, like um, resilience is super important. And I believe that, but resilience isn't about operating, you know, pegged at, at redlined for uh, perpetuity, right? Resilience is a, comes from having that ability to recover and that rest and recovery is a big piece of it too. So our engineering leaders, are held accountable for ensuring that their team members get the rest and recovery that they need so that they can do their best work um, and do it for DCS. Absolutely. Well, where does trust come in there? I mean, building trust in the intent of team members, uh, do you find that to be essential? Uh, could you elaborate on how trusting intent contributes to engagement and maybe more collaboration in your teams? I'm an engineer, so I talk about engineers like we're some special uh some special version of humanity, right? But that's because we got told that our whole lives. But in reality, engineers are people like everybody else. No matter what anybody tells you, we still have feelings and 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 we we still have this pride of authorship, right? When when an engineer develops a design uh, or an author writes a book or you know an artist uh, creates uh, a work of art, you have you have this sort of pride in it because it's yours, right? And so you have that pride of authorship. On the flip side of that, engineers are inherently sort of wired to be problem solvers. And so sometimes we'll find a problem where maybe there really isn't a problem, but hey, I'm an engineer, I wanna help 
fix it. I want to make it better, right? So um, I think those two things together mean that we have to be really intentional about this idea of fostering um, a culture that trusts intent. So that if I'm if I'm approaching a, 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 an engineer and I'm saying, hey, I think there's a better way to do this, they know that I'm not coming at them from the perspective of, look how smart I am, look how much I know. I mean, nobody worries about that on my team, I can promise you that. But the, the truth is, um, you know, it can be very hard to hear feedback on a design critique of the work that you've created. And so building that trust of intent so they know that the intent of why someone's coming to them and, and encouraging them to look at a different way of doing this is, hey, I've been there, I've done it, and it, you know, it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go, try it this way per type of approach. But it works both ways, right? That intent has to be trusted in the people that are providing the critique and also has to be trusted by the people providing the, the critique to those that are receiving that feedback during a design review, right? They have to be willing to know that um, that I'm I'm willing to hear the feedback, right? And I'm open to that. And my intent is not to be defensive or put up walls, but to listen and, and learn and get better over time. So I think that that's where intent kind of comes in and not, not a special case for engineers, but certainly applies to the engineering uh, discipline and the work we do. So in other words, what you're trying to say is celebrities, they're just like us, right? That's basically it. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, how do you handle situations where engineering design or decisions are questioned and what kind of strategies are employed to ensure that such questions come from a place of care rather than that criticism that we've been talking about? Yeah. Again, um, it's, it's about what you celebrate, what you reward and what you model. Right. And so, I think we, as the the engineering leaders uh, on the team, we have a role to play in this, right? The behavior that um, puts out the the front that I've got it all together, that I never make a mistake, that I, you know, those kind of uh, sort of arrogant, prideful, egocentric behaviors. That's what tears down trust because, um, you know, and and so. From that perspective, I think modeling the behaviors, being open to feedback, seeking that feedback out. Um, that's seen and that's, that's something that we also then, when that happens in a design review, we celebrate it, right? We say, Hey, that's awesome. I'm glad that you brought that up. Thanks for sharing that. And, and really celebrating those behaviors, rewarding that sort of, uh, that mindset around, um, you know, being willing and open and, and willing, you know, having the judgments important based on experience, but being willing, being able to create a culture and an environment where that judgment can be applied to the work that we're doing today. That's what makes all the difference. Absolutely. And you brought this up earlier, and that comes down to leadership. So what are some of the key things that you think make strong engineering leaders? What are some of the critical factors that go into that that will subsequently you know, create that culture that we want? Sure. So, so leadership to me is a discipline just like engineering. Um, you know, uh, I, I personally believe that engineers should be led by other engineers, um, but I don't think every great engineer is a great engineering people leader. Um, and I think a lot of times we can promote people into positions of leadership um, because they are really good at their craft and not recognizing or appreciating the fact that leadership is something that those skills and, and that capacity and capability for leadership, those also have to be developed just like the ability to do good engineering um, work. And so at DCS, we spend a lot of time focused on developing leaders, um, but also selecting leaders. In other words, we want leaders who who lead from the right motivation. Uh, we want people 
to be in, in a people leadership role because they care about people. They want to take good care of those people. Um, they want to serve those people. Um, when Joni talks about it in one of his books, The Motive, right? It's it's this idea of you can be a reward-based leader or you can be a, a service leader. You can be you can lead out of the motivation to serve others. Or you can lead out of the, the motivation for the reward that comes from leadership. Um, you know, sort of the 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 supposed trappings of, of, of leadership. Right. And so, um, we're, we're careful. We, we want to put the right people in place to lead our teams well, to demonstrate that they care for their teams. And then if you have that right motivation, I think if you approach it from that motivation, you're also then willing to grow as a leader. You're willing to hear the feedback on how you can become a more effective leader and you're willing to hone those skills over time and, and, and do a better job of taking care of the people that, that you have on your team. For sure. Well, I mean, how does your team at DCS balance technical excellence with these leadership skills developing alongside it uh, amongst leadership? So for us, we, we've been really intentional in the way we've designed the organization and how we've set up career paths within the technical um, areas within our engineering team. So recognizing, again, the, the competitive advantage that comes from that engineering judgment that you gain through experience we want engineers that want to be engineers for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, right? And we want them to be applying that expertise over time to make us better and better and better. And, you know, again, thinking through like not the only way to advance at DCS within the engineering discipline is not through uh, up into a people leadership role. That's an opportunity if you, if you feel called to leadership and if you want to serve others then there's a path to, towards people leadership, but that's not the only path for our engineers. And so we create those technical tracks within our career pathing so that people can advance, take care of their families, progress in their careers um, without having to or feeling forced into people leadership if that's not the thing. Ben, could you please uh, share some insights on your experience in building as well as leading engineering teams with low turnover uh, and exceptional performance? So what were some of the key takeaways from this particular journey? Yeah. So for me personally, I've, I've seen both sides of the coin. I've seen, I've been in organizations where, um, the, the, the culture is not healthy and it, it creates, um, tension and it creates chaos and it creates lack of clarity and, and the turnover that comes from that. Um, and I've, I've experienced that personally as a, as an engineer at points in my career. And I've also seen that um, I've seen the flip side of that coin, um, you know, with, with at DCS, the, the, the great thing about our culture and the great thing about our leadership and our ownership, um, is, is that culture. And it's that ability to, um, again, act in ways that align with your values, take care of people, um, build that culture of, of trust, of intent and, and build your leadership team up so that they can take care of people. And where, when I've seen that work, I've seen that work at DCS, I've seen that work other places, the results follow. The performance of those teams um, is far better than it makes sense. You know, um, you think about um, teams where, uh, you know, they, they outperform consistently. Um, I'm not a Steelers fan. My brother's going to be super upset that I'm talking about the Steelers, but that's one of those teams, right, where every year, they outperform what they're what they're expected to do based on the talent that they have on the team. 
Um, I think it's it's similar on engineering teams. You can you can outperform what the expectation is if you have that culture, if you have the focus in the right place. Um, and I've seen it work. I think DCS is a great example of that. We have really really high retention, really high engagement scores. We we monitor these things. We look at this often. And I think again, it's because of the culture and the environment that we've created and the, the behaviors that we expect from our leaders. Absolutely. And do you have any last thoughts, Ben, before we close this episode? Anything you want to leave with our audience? I would just say that um, if you have the opportunity to engage with our engineering team, you're going to see that that the DCS engineering team cares about you as a customer, as a as a um, as a partner. Just like we care about each other, we want to take really good care of our customers and do really good work for. Um, for them. And so, you know, our mission is to create that best customer and employee experience. And we believe that the best employee experience is going to result in that best customer experience. And um, our engineers are are adding value to projects every day um, by applying the judgment that they've gained through the experience. And we, we love the opportunity to do that with every, anyone and everyone who wants to work with us. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up this episode of On Time and Fool. So thank you to everyone who tuned in and thank you to Ben. Thanks, Gabrielle. Absolutely. Well, if you'd like to learn more, please visit designedconveyor.com and look for this podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts at. I've been your host, Gabrielle. Thanks for tuning in. 